Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, who are excited to introduce their all-new RateShield approval. If you're in the market to buy a home, RateShield approval is a real game-changer, and here's why. First, Quicken Loans will lock in your rate for up to 90 days while you shop. But here's the crucial part. If rates go up, your rate stays the same. But if rates go down, your rate also drops. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Monday, August the 6th, and on today's financial show, we're talking about Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway. We'll discuss their latest quarterly performance, what's up with that massive pile of cash they've been hoarding, and how that's forcing Buffett and company to change their minds when it comes to one particular corporate role. We'll dive into what that change is and ultimately what it means for Berkshire shareholders. I'm your host, Shannon Jones, and I'm joined in the studio via Skype with financials guru and one of the hardest working fools I know, Matt Frankel. Matt, how are you? How's everything over there? It's going well, I must say. Uh, the the heat is taking over here in D.C., but I will take the heat over the torrential downpours any day. Yes, definitely. South Carolina is hot and rainy. So. <laughs> Same here. So before we dive into the latest on Berkshire, Matt, let's actually catch our listeners up on first, you know, what exactly Berkshire does and more importantly, how in the world is it so awesome at making money? Sure. Well, first of all, a lot of people don't think of Berkshire as a financial sector company, but in reality, it's the largest financial sector company. Um, the reason for it is because at its at its core, Berkshire is an insurance company. Uh, Warren Buffett loves the insurance business. He started buying up insurance companies shortly after he took the reins of Berkshire Hathaway, which at the time was a textile manufacturer. Um, it, has, it owns uh, insurance subsidiaries such as Geico is probably the most well-known one. Uh, General Re, a reinsurance company, is the biggest of their insurance subsidiaries. So that's why we include it in the financial sector. Um, like, because I said, at, at its core, it's an insurance business. It also owns a collection of other subsidiary companies, about five dozen of them, um, ranging in all kinds of industries from consumer goods to housing to um automotive parts, um, just to kind of mention a few of the common ones or commonly known ones, uh, Dairy Queens and Berkshire subsidiary, um, BNSF Railroad is a subsidiary, NetJets, the private jet leasing company is a subsidiary, Duracell, Fruit of the Loom, I could go on and on. So Berkshire has this big collection of businesses, which all kind of generate cash flow for the company. And because it has all these businesses, they can kind of use their money wherever they see fit to kind of grow each business as necessary. In addition to that, Berkshire has a big, big stock portfolio that's very closely followed. Um, Warren Buffett views this as a big competitive advantage that Berkshire is willing to invest money in companies that it doesn't control. A lot of big insurance companies are not willing to do that. Um, Berkshire stock portfolio is worth over $200 billion as I'm speaking. Um, and while he has about four dozen companies in his portfolio, there are six that are really the big, big standouts. Um, there's Apple, American Express, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, and 
Coca-Cola. Between the five of them are about 70% of the stock portfolio value. And Berkshire also has a big stake in Kraft Heinz, more than a quarter of the company, that is accounted for under a slightly different method, so it's not technically included in the stock portfolio, but it's worth about $20 billion, so it's a pretty big holding. And as Shannon mentioned, Berkshire also has a lot of cash that kind of adds value to the company, which we'll get into a little more later. Yeah, and you mentioned, Matt, that at its core, Berkshire Hathaway is an insurance business. And generally speaking, the way insurers make their money is really two ways. Um, They write a policy, you pay a premium, and then they pay you if you get into an accident. Granted, money is definitely lost on that side of the business, especially when there are a lot of claims. Think about uh, last year's devastating hurricane season, which certainly had an impact on Berkshire Hathaway. We'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. Um, But they make up that money when it comes to their investments. And Matt, as you went down, Berkshire is really most well-known for its investment portfolio. All of those companies, including Apple, which, by the way, uh, became the first trillion-dollar company by market cap last week. Um, Our own Dylan Lewis did uh, an industry focus episode uh, last Friday, August the 3rd, on that very topic and what it means. I would certainly encourage you to check it out. But really, when it comes to Berkshire Hathaway, all eyes generally tend to be on what's in its portfolio, what is it investing in, um, and the like. So, with that, Matt, let's actually dive into Q2. How exactly did they perform? And, and just to give our listeners perspective, I mean, Berkshire always puts up a pretty impressive showing for the most part, uh, particularly this time rebounding in areas that did take quite a bit of a hit over the last year. But it wasn't exactly an apples-to-apples comparison this quarter versus the year prior. And that was mainly due to an accounting rule change. Matt, what can you tell us about that change and how it impacted earnings this particular quarter? Yeah, so for the quarter, Berkshire earned $4.87 per share. Um, And just, by the way, I'm talking about the Class B shares, since that's pretty much what most people listening own. Um, I don't own any A shares. I don't know about you. Me neither. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe someday. But anyway, um, so $4.87 per share, which is almost triple what it earned the same quarter a year ago. But the accounting rule change you're referring to is now Berkshire has to include unrealized profits from its stock portfolio, which, as we mentioned, is pretty massive, in its earnings total. So if its stocks go up in value, that makes it look like Berkshire earned a lot more than it did, which was the case for the second quarter, even though it hasn't actually made anything unless it decides to sell the stocks. On the other hand, if its stock portfolio has a particularly bad quarter, which has happened in the past, it can look like Berkshire posted a big loss on paper, which actually I think happened in the first quarter, even though it didn't actually lose any money. So Berkshire itself tells investors in the past couple quarters that its earnings number is pretty meaningless. So to really get a sense of how it's doing, you need to kind of go a little bit further. Um, It's uh, just to kind of run through its main ways of making money. Um, It's insurance revenue, just from collecting premium income, was up 14% year over year. It's railroad utilities and energy money, or revenue rather, which um, is another one of its big core businesses. I mentioned the BNSF Railroad was up 11% year over year. And its services and sales revenue, which is pretty much everything else, was up about 6% year over year. 
So its business grew very nicely. It just wasn't the nearly tripling that its earnings would make it seem. Great point. So for shareholders, for investors, for really anybody following Berkshire Hathaway, it's important to keep that in mind, especially moving forward when they report out earnings, because as you saw uh, this quarter and even last, it uh, could certainly distort the way that the company itself is actually performing. Um, so really, uh, an overall pretty stellar quarter across multiple business segments, as you discussed, Matt, uh, particularly um, in the insurance business, which did see a pretty nice rebound, uh, considering the massive losses that it incurred over the past year. But there's really one figure that I think stays on the mind of just about every Berkshire shareholder and investor, and that's that $111 billion in cash. That's right, $111 billion in cash on the balance sheet. That's important for many reasons, and we'll discuss why on the other side of the break. But first, support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Let's talk about buying a home for a minute. Because of rising interest rates, there's a lot of unpredictability when it comes to buying a home. It causes a lot of anxiety with folks, and our friends at Quicken Loans are actually doing something about it. They're calling it the power buying process. Here's how it works. Quicken Loans will verify your income, assets, and credit in less than 24 hours to give you a verified approval. This gives you the strength of a cash buyer. Then, once you're verified, you qualify for their all-new exclusive rate shield approval. First, they'll lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop. And now here's the best part. If rates go up, your rate stays the same. But if rates go down, your rate also drops. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com full. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records, equal housing lender, license in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org number 3030. So, Matt, you mentioned Berkshire ending with $111 billion in cash on the balance sheet, a figure that's really continued to grow over the past couple of years, and really in an environment where the ability to deploy and put that cash to good use has for the most part, run rather dry. Now, before we get into that, Matt, I will say, if I had $111 billion in cash in my bank account, first of all, I wouldn't be complaining by any means. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can guarantee you in the Jones household, that would not be a problem. But when it comes to companies and it comes to having growing massive cash hoards, that's not always a good thing. So first, tell us why that's not always a good thing for companies. And then secondly, let's talk about how Berkshire prefers to use its cash. Sure. Well, Berkshire views its cash as a problem and for good reason. Warren Buffett likes having about $20 billion of cash on the sidelines at all times to take advantage of opportunities as they come up. Um, this is how he made some of his best investments during the, the financial crisis, for example. But So that still leaves about $90 billion more than Buffett wants to have sitting around. The problem is that this is $90 billion, which is almost a co- or one-fifth of Berkshire's entire market cap, that's sitting around earning virtually nothing. So, yes, it's a good problem to have, in that it's better than not having enough cash or having a big mountain of debt to worry about. But it's as if one of your biggest business segments 
kind of ground to a halt and stopped earning revenue. So Berkshire is trying desperately to find ways to use its cash. And Buffett likes to use his cash in a few main ways. First, um, it should go without saying that he wants to make sure that the, the needs of his the businesses Berkshire already owns are taken care of. Beyond that, he wants to be able to acquire whole companies to add to that list of about 60 subsidiaries that I mentioned. He hasn't been able to do that recently. And the big obstacle that he's mentioned is valuation. Um, it's no secret that the stock market has been kind of on a tear over the past decade or so. And that's really pushed up valuations in the stock market as well as in kind of in terms of acquisition opportunities. Buffett specifically mentioned that price was the biggest obstacle to getting any deals done. He's found a few that he liked. They couldn't come to an agreement, agreeable price that was attractive by Buffett's standards. Um, so beyond that, Buffett, like I've mentioned, he likes to invest in individual stocks. And they've had some success in that front recently, to be fair. Um, the cash hoard at the end of 2017 was over $116 billion. So it's actually gone down a bit. Um, Berkshire bought a massive Apple stake or added massively to its Apple stake in the first quarter. Um, during the second quarter, we won't find out till next week what stocks Buffett bought, but it looks at first glance like he did some serious buying. Um, one interesting point to note is that the $111 billion of cash is exactly $2.4 billion more than he had, they had last quarter. And after the uh, Bayer bought Monsanto, which was a Buffett stock, that's exactly the cash infusion they took in. So aside from that, it looks like Buffett was pretty successful at deploying all of the excess cash generated by its businesses. So we'll have to see um, what Buffett bought and sold. But it looks like they've had some success buying stocks, but not to the point where it's significantly whittling away at their cash hoard. Um, the other two options that most companies use to return capital to shareholders are dividends and buybacks. Buybacks we'll get into in a second, but Buffett would rather let his cash build up than pay a dividend. He's very anti-dividend. He thinks if shareholders want income off their shares, they should just, if they want a 3% yield, they should simply sell 3% of their shares every year, which would be a, a better strategy in his mind. So there really aren't, haven't been too many options. Uh, he's been kind of limited in attractive opportunities recently, which is why the cash hoard has ballooned as much as it has. Yeah. And to even give a little more color in terms of the lack of opportunities and really lack of attractive acquisition targets, um, you have to remember that Berkshire isn't the only player in the space that's looking to acquire. You've got your major private equity firms. You've got some alternative asset managers out there um, that also have huge piles of cash and that honestly are willing to pay quite a hefty premium to acquire some of those companies. Um, these are companies like Blackstone Group, Apollo Management. They're also shopping, and this makes the M&A space very competitive. So you have tons of money chasing really kind of the same types of deals, which makes it hard for Berkshire in the long run to find a true bargain, which we know is ultimately the uh, MOA for Warren Buffett. Um, also, going back to something you said, um, one of the questions is, you know, why not dividends? Why not return capital to shareholders via dividends? And you, you covered all the highlights. And if you think about it, too, 
first of all, Buffett loves himself receiving dividends, doesn't want to pay it out. Um, and really, Buffett, Buffett thinks he can make more money for shareholders by investing their money than they can make for themselves, which honestly, it's hard to argue against when you're looking at annualized returns of 20% since 1965. And that's really double the what the S&P returned over that same time frame. So it's hard to argue against that. And I believe too, Matt, back in 2014, there was actually a shareholder proposal that came up where a shareholder said, why don't you pay dividends? And it was interesting in that I believe the vote came back 98% against Berkshire Hathaway paying out dividends. And really what that that said and what that speaks to is the fact that, Warren Buffett, we trust you. Please reinvest these earnings for us on our behalf. We know you can continue to grow this. So dividends, like you mentioned, really out of the question, which brings us to the point of buyback. So when it comes to deploying cash, You've got, first of all, a lack of attractive targets. You've got this growing stockpile of cash. And so Berkshire just announced it's changing its policy when it comes to buying back its own shares. Let's talk about what exactly is changing when it comes to that policy and what that actually means for investors. Okay, so Berkshire's always had a buyback policy where they're allowed to buy back shares. The problem is that they were, Buffett wasn't allowed to buy back any shares unless they were trading for 120% of book value or less. The problem is that hasn't happened in several years. Um, the board th- thought that the 120% level was significantly below intrinsic value. Buffett agreed. So he was very eager to buy back shares if it ever got to that point. But it, with how well the stock market's been doing, it really hasn't. So that kind of took the buyback option out of Buffett's toolbox. Now what they just did, um, the board approved an amendment where they scrapped that 120% of book value limit. Um, For context, the stock is currently around 140% of book value. So not a ton above, but still too high to buy back under the old arrangement. Now they're allowed to buy back shares anytime that Warren Buffett and Vice Chairman Charlie Munger agree that the shares are indeed below their intrinsic value. There's no limit to how many shares they can acquire. There's no time limit. This is in effect until the board changes it again. And it's actually interesting to note that today is the first day they're allowed to buy back shares under that new arrangement. Um, One of the conditions was they had to wait until their second quarter earnings were released, which happened on Saturday. And today is Monday. So they could actually be buying back shares as we speak. So, Matt, the, I guess, inevitable question is, do you see Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway, buying back shares anytime soon? Yes, and I'll tell you why. Berkshire's total market cap, as I wrote this, I ran some of the numbers, is about $514 billion. Of that, about $206 billion of it is his stock portfolio. Another $111 billion of it, as we mentioned, is cash which means that the market's valuing all of Berkshire's other businesses, all 60 or so of them, Geico, Duracell, the railroad, et cetera, at less than $200 billion, which I believe is less than their intrinsic value. Whether Buffett and Munger believe that is remains to be seen, because as you mentioned, Buffett wants a deal. Whenever he's buying anything, whether it's an entire company, a stock, or shares of Berkshire, he wants a deal. So, 
do I think it's a compelling value? Yes. I'm a Berkshire shareholder. I think the shares are attractively priced at the current level. But will Buffett, that remains to be seen. And not only could they be buying back shares right now, but it could end up giving us some insight as to how much Buffett and Munger think Berkshire shares are actually worth. In other words, how high will they get before they stop buying them back or start buying them back? So this will be a very interesting development over the next few quarters. Yes. So much to keep an eye out on looking ahead. Um, And certainly we'll be sure to let you know when and if that happens. Uh, All in all, Berkshire Hathaway this quarter um, continuing to fire in all cylinders and is really making smart and necessary strategic changes that should continue to reward shareholders in the long term. That's it for this week's financial show. Finally, as always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. And The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Austin Morgan. For Matt Frankel, I'm Shannon Jones. Thanks for listening and Fool on! Fool on!